When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is episode 36. Dun, dun, dun. What was the dun dun duns for? Is that a special number? I don't know. That's that's that's, that's my age. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. So this episode, guys, we're talking about the nice guys, the Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe film, directed by Shane Black, as chosen by the fantastic guys, Sam and Martin from Song by Song Podcast. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. As always, films reviewed in this podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. There may be bad language and there may be spoilers. You have been warned. So this episode of Flix Watcher podcast has been brought to you by Geo Productions. And I have to say a massive thanks to Geo Productions. They have been holding my hand on Flix Watcher with Helen and I with their superb sexual editing skills. They're producing podcasters and helping podcasters like ourselves helping us sound awesome. So we really want to big you guys up. And they said, if anyone out there wants to be a podcaster and wants their help, then reach out to them, podcast at glpro.co.uk and tell them, that Flixwatcher sent you and you'll get 10% of your first package of your first order so you've got nothing to lose. Hello and welcome to this edition of Flixwatcher. Today we are joined by Sam and Martin from the award-winning podcast Song by Song. If you'd like to say hello and uh, tell us about your podcast. Hello, I'm Sam. I'm Martin. And together we listen to and talk about... I thought we were going to do a thing where we said something together, like, together we are song by song. We can do that. Do you want to... We just did it. I think we just did it. Sally's never practiced that before. No. (laughs) Spontaneity. We've just got this natural chemistry. That's that's why the show's so great. Am I talking now or are you talking... Okay. Yeah, sorry. We finished each other's sandwiches. Each other's sandwiches. We... produce and listen to and talk about Tom Waits. Well, no, we don't produce Tom Waits. We listen to Tom Waits and we produce a podcast where we are talking about all of his songs in chronological order. It's a terrible, terrible disease, which uh, people can listen along to as we... Uh, we talk about other music as well. We bring in mm. other other musicians and tracks which like relate to it. Uh, either there'll be musicians have played with Tom Waits on his, on his recordings or they're just kind of thematically linked. And we get guests in, often who 
don't know that much about Tom Waits, yeah. but are interested in sort of music and, and culture. And it's not like about that. knowledge. It's about, you know, interaction and understanding. We've done a few films, actually. Some have films you? that yeah. have uh, inspired Tom Waits. And uh, what about films that he's been in? Have you talked about those yet? We not yet. Started to, no, we did. Please, the... please say Bram Stoker's Dracula. No, we're not quite there yet. Uh, we the did... Master. Oh, master are, you talk, are, you, are you bringing the films the in chronologically as well? Then you We're trying to. I don't know if we're yeah. going to do all of them. So we did. Oh, God, what's the name of the movie? The one that has uh, Sylvester, oh, Sylvester um, Sloan directed. It was first movie. Straight and Stranger. I forgot what it's called. Paradise Alley. Paradise Alley. Yeah, yeah. It's Not a, Strangers in Paradise. It's a really weird kind of wrestling movie, and he has a really tiny cameo, and it's his first. Tom, Tom Waits has a really tiny cameo. It's his first yeah. film role. And I think it might be Sylvester Stallone's first director at directing, writing gig. I think Rocky came a bit later. We don't know much about anything that we talk about, so uh, <laughs> tune in every week. To... <laughs> but he talks just, just about. Say, I think in front of everything, and I then you're like, oh. and then you're fine, aren't you? I'm yeah. pretty. I'm pretty sure that's right. I mean, I heard one episode where you taught you brought in Whitney Houston because yeah. the, the song yeah. name was the same, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was saving my love for you, and, yes, and I never used to like Whitney Houston very much. Not oh, really. Being. Yeah, I just until thought... she died. Oh, I felt better. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know why I went there. I'm going to have to like a no, lot I, more music because I'm worried now. I liked her. I oh, know I like her. Well, I, I just, I don't know. I think I was a bit of a, I think I was a bit of an indie snob. And then we listened to the track and, and like, she's got, she's got quite a good she singing voice, Whitney sing Houston. Like she has, hasn't she? Yeah. She really does. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost she should have been that. better known for it in a way. <laughs> People don't really know about her. Whitney Houston. Yeah. yeah. Whitney. You should uh, check her out. Check her out. She's going to be there. Yeah, yeah. She's going to really go somewhere. Can you, are you guys music? I know you you play music, don't you? Yeah, I'm a sort of singer, songwriter, and, and do compositions for podcasts and things like that as well, actually. And, and Sam, uh, you're a. I'm, a, I'm an actor musician. musician so yeah, I, so, I, I sing in musicals. I play the accordion and the tuba. Have you ever, sometimes simultaneously. Have you ever you play played concert? Tom Waits songs? I play a lot of Tom Waits on the piano. Okay. It's a, uh, I said early on, but in the history of the podcast, it's really nice to uh, join in with Tom Waits on some tracks because early on, he's not that great a piano player. So it makes you feel really good about your own (laughs) shortcomings. But a lot of his stuff is really playable, actually. It's just that you have to pitch it up an octave and try and shout not quite as much. (laughs) Otherwise, you knacker your voice. I've been learning to play piano from Tom Waits. You have. You've been playing Annie's Back in Town. Annie's Back in Town, Rainbow Sleeves, the Ricky Lee Jones. Tango Till They're Sore. Yeah, that's a fun one to play. Yeah, it's really good. And you can find out about all of these songs. (laughs) 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 So we're here talking about films to take it back to the, the, what Flix Watch is about. Yeah, Yeah. on topic. And we're talking about The Nice Guys, which was chosen by yourself, Sam. It was. So can you tell us why you chose it and a, and a brief synopsis? Uh, nice Guys is a Shane Black film written and directed from 2016. Holland March, as played by Ryan Gosling, is a, uh, a PI in 1970s LA with somewhat dubious morals. Jackson Healy, played by Russell Crowe, is a slightly more moral, but only slightly more moral, thug for hire. And together with the help of March's teenage daughter, Holly, as played by Angry Rice, is it? I don't Angry know. Rice. I don't know. And also an awful lot of coincidences. <laughs> um, <laughs> they find themselves working together to unravel a porn star's death and seeming return to life, the disappearing daughter of the head of the Justice Department, the murder of various members of the adult film community, and a conspiracy over the use of catalytic converters. So, you know, your bog-standard... Uh, Shame nice. Black Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's set at Christmas as well, obviously. Why why did you choose this film? So I I like Shane Black. I've enjoyed more of his films than I realised, actually. You look through his IMDB 
portfolio and I realised that, you know, he's written a bunch of films, you know, the um, Last Boy Scout and Lethal Weapon, obviously, and he's directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm-hmm. which I think he's most famous for. Iron and Man 2. A three. three. Three, sorry, yeah. Which is fun if, you know, it's, 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 it's a flawed superhero film. It's a flawed Shane Black film. Everyone walks away. And then he produced this and I really wanted to watch it, but... I hate Russell Crowe. Oh, really? And I really mm. want to make this quite clear. I hate <laughs> Russell Crowe. Why do you hate Russell Crowe so much? Well, he's I, I want to hear all of the reasons. Well, his personality. So I really hate him. It's, <laughs> what, what has he done? Well, what has he done? I mean, he's. I feel like Russell Crowe, like, sort of like arrived with obviously gladiator but also with uh, LA, LA confidential yeah which is kind of analogous to this uh, exactly yeah. i really liked russell crowe i think the year before gladiator in a michael mann film called the insider right which looks like it's going to be one film and turns out to be a very different one a really great yeah really yeah, great yeah, al pacino yeah. role a very cool looking film i sort of think of it as like michael mann coming out of his like low budget, low fi roots coming off the back of heat before he goes into kind of the excesses of his later work. Collateral is pretty good, but but I feel like the insider is kind of like peak Michael Mann. Peak man. And so so I was I was big up for for Russell Crowe and I felt like he won the Oscar for Gladiator primarily because he was criminally overlooked for The Insider the previous year in the same way that Judy Dench won for Shakespeare in Love when she didn't win for Mrs. Brown the previous year. Right. That's what they do a lot. Same yeah. with Nicole Kidman. Yes, same, exactly. same with pretty much everyone. Yeah, you've, really. you've earned your stripes, but we we forgot to give it you that year. Yeah. So Go and see The Insider. Like you really yeah, should. It's great. So so but then Russell Crowe not the actor, but the person arrived. And he has managed to systematically erode all of the goodwill that I had. I think that he's great in a lot of stuff. But all of his interviews, all of his off-screen clashes with people, the aggression that he seems totally unable or unwilling to moderate, or at least he did. And then the the breaking point for me was a an interview that he did with Mark Lawson on Front Row when Robin Hood came out. I guess must be like six years ago. Did many people watch that film? Well, I haven't seen it, but but he had a conversation where Mark Lawson, who you know has I have different feelings about, but he said, "Ah, oh, it's an interesting accent that you've chosen there because it's sort of I mean you know it's 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 English, but there's a hint of Irish and that kind of thing." And Russell Crowe goes off on one in sort of like the worst excesses of actor arrogance saying telling mark lawson you know if you can't if you can't hear that that's a perfect british accent then you've got fucking dead ears mate and i and i dropped him i i i i have no <laughs> interest in from your no, roster have you stopped answering his calls he's not i mean he's yeah he's he's not made the effort either i've got to say <laughs> but so so i i hold a real chip on my shoulder we were walking past we were in LA when he was doing promotion for Cinderella Man and we saw him over the road doing promotions and Amy, my, my girlfriend, wanted to stop and watch and I did not because I really hate Russell Crowe. What, so, wow. what was your take on his performance in Les Miserables? Yeah, he, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> he, he, if, if you think that's singing, you've got dead ears, mate. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I have a great chip on my shoulder and I like Shane Black and I saw Drive recently. I like Ryan Gosling. I think mm-hmm. so. so I thought this was a great opportunity for me to confront this dislike 
nothing like the pressure of having to talk about it <laughs> to uh, on a podcast Commit to, to get to pod exactly to um to to make you analyze it. So so that was the main reason. It's there and it's contemporary. And the the other film we were going to watch last week was Drunken Master. And so you know I thought this would be like a nice you know two ends of of time and two ends of style. So yeah. what are the thoughts around the table? Who should we start with, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'm i probably not a bigger Shane Black fan as I thought I might have been. I mean, I've seen the Lethal Weapon films, but not recently, and I'm not quite sure how well they'd, they'd stand up. I mean, I've seen quite a lot of Russell Crowe films, but I kind of gave up quite a long time ago. He just became very pompous and bloated and just made a lot of bad choices. Mm. But as you mentioned, you know, The Insider is a great film, and you know, LA Confidential is you know, also a great film. Mm. I mean, in this, you know, I mean, he's got a lot wider. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if he, performance. I was wondering if he built up for this at all to give I, up. I mean, he's kind of a little bit washed up in this, which I think is kind of a little bit of how his sort of career is now because he's alienated quite a lot of people with his, you know, his not nice attitude and put off a lot of people who would have gone to see quite a lot of his films following, you know, from what he had from Gladiator. Yeah. I did I did really like Ryan Gosling doing comedy in this. Mm. I think he's he could do a lot more comedy. It's quite nice to sort of see him not kind of getting his own way or having things run smoothly. And I quite like seeing him in that. But generally I thought the plot was a bit all over the place. And yeah, I mean, I actually watched this it's probably about a week before you suggested it because really? it was one of the ones new to Netflix and I, I didn't see it at the cinema. No. And I thought, you know, I'd quite like to give it a go. Had fairly decent reviews of it. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there is going to be a lot that we're going to talk about it. But Martin. Yeah. I, liked, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was good. <laughs> what was a bit strange about this film? So I watched this, I think I watched this on the plane originally and I watched, so I had seen it. There's another film that came out last year called The War on Everyone, which has Ooh. a surprisingly similar storyline. I mean, it's I guess it's probably a bit of a bit of a generic storyline. Two slightly amoral losers. Oh, is that the one with Carry on? I'll find it. It's a. It, <laughs> is it uh, John Michael McDonough? Is that the name of the director? With Miles Teller and oh, the guy who did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. It's not. I think it's his brother. I get confused because one yeah. because the brother the brother the brother did the guard and Calvary yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's who who okay, directed this one so yeah so Warren McDonough yeah there we go so I forget I forget the name of the actors in this oh it's that oh, oh, yeah. and Mark Pena and Alexander Skarsgård yes I, yeah I meant to, oh, I, I meant to watch that, that. yeah and it's quite good. it was quite strange because I, wa- I I watched them both last year and 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 it's an interesting this one is the, the other the war on everyone is is a lot more if this is possible to be a lot more violent and black humor but i thought the nice guys was a lot more fun mm. there's a lot of face punching going on in this which is in, co- in common with uh, his i didn't realize this was the guy, same guy that did the last boy scout i love the last boy scout yeah. he wrote that didn't he yeah, yeah. writer that's yeah. a really fun film the and dance he does at the end is a uh, where, 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 which one's the that? one last the, boy scout yeah. about. what did he do the a dance? dance he does at the end is that bruce willis film yeah, yeah that's bruce, bruce willis yeah, he yeah. does a little dance at the end when he wins he was talking about doing a dance. Oh, That's why yeah, I remember yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. So, so again, it's, it's it's kind of a similar sort of story. You got two guys, and they're sort of losers, and then there's some young person in in jeopardy and some conspiracy, and uh, you know they win. But this one, um, yeah, I, this was this was I I I really enjoyed it. I I I just thought all of the set pieces were really really good. Yeah. Like there was a lot of it was a bit you know 
set piece to set piece. I felt like the plot was pretty good, but I felt like each of the the scenes was just really exciting and compelling and some really, really memorable... Like the scene where he's uh, take, he's taking... Uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling is taking cover from the, the, the gunman and he, behind a car <laughs> that's on a revolving platform. <laughs> it's just such a good visual gag. If you're like, okay, I'm going to jump out and... Oh, this is revolved through 180 and the guy's about to... About yeah. to uh, so it's such a nice visual gag. I think one of my favourite gags was uh, when Ryan Gosling's driving and he says, right, I'm going to have to pull over, you're going to have to drive... I'm a bit tired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russell Crowe just goes, just take your hands off the wheels, man. The cars drive themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly there's a massive bee in the background. Yeah, killer yeah, bee. Yeah, yeah. Massive killer bee. And uh, well, played by Hannibal Barres. Was it? The voice of that killer bee. I love Har- Hannibal Barres' voice. He's one of the. He's, he's a comedian. comedian. He's a comedian uh, called out Bill Bill Cosby a couple yes, of years ago. Yes, he did. A couple of years oh, ago. He used to write for 30 Rock and SNL, I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, funny yeah, man. Yeah. Funny man. I, th- I mean, there's, there's some stuff in common with st- with a film like The Big Lebowski, isn't there? That, yeah. that noirish, you know, and the, the sort of dream sequence, the noir, the, the sort of retro styling, and the sort of noirish plot. But yeah, it's just kind of I was just found myself enjoying what was happening, wanted to see that, see the next thing, and and you know, where was it going to take take me? See, I think of it as being very much like a, a riff on noir and a writer writer director taking an awful lot of like say set pieces, but also like one line gags and just throwing everything that he could possibly imagine into it like little little silly you know throwaway things like you know trying to track down the cinematographer and the guy walks away from him you know, and the, the characters walk away from him and say hey thanks buddy and the guy turns around and said how do you know my name is buddy and it's just it's yeah, just like it doesn't go anywhere it's not important it's not relevant but it's like that's a joke that's been sitting in shane's black's head for yeah, yeah. 10-15 years and, and I, just, I, I love this on this like I, I love the scene where he's trying to impress a girl and manages to fall out of a, 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 a building <laughs> and down a hill <laughs> Just so black like, flips off a balcony. Yeah, black flip flips off like a third floor balcony. The physical comedy is great. I mean, yeah. we're looking at some pictures here and the toilet scene <laughs> is great. I mean, if you've only oh, ever yes. seen yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling sort of polished and flawless, mm. it's great to see him in this kind of film and doing it so well. He's really funny. He's yeah. really funny. I mean, and he makes it like, it makes that character likable. And that character's a bit of a dick. Right off the bat, he, when he cuts his arm, for example, under glass, yeah. he's like, oh, that's, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that Ryan Gosling's performance is kind of amazing in this yeah. film. Mm. I think I think he's the he's the linchpin of the film, and yeah. I think he's asked to do like three or four things simultaneously. I think you know he needs to he needs to be funny. He needs to deliver on all this comedy stuff, and I think lots of what he does about the pacing of the jokes, like he's in control of it, but it's in the service of the joke rather than the service of him. Mm. He needs to be a ridiculous character and also a kind of a reprehensible character. He needs to be legitimately hated by his teenage daughter yeah. mm. and be responsible for kind of fucking up his entire life. And he needs to be likable. Mm. Yeah. And he does all of these things. And totally the sadness credible. as well that is kind of underlying a lot of things that he does is played really, really well yeah. because it could be kind of sentimental and really cheesy. Mm. But it's just that kind of really right balance of, you know, this sadness. And then, you know, he's kind of not helping himself anyway. No. I think it's interesting that Russell Crowe's character is a lot. He's a nice. He's not a nicer. He's a more moral person. Yes. But he's a lot less like In a way, because he. Obviously, he's he's killed people, killed people. Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah, but he is he is trying to make his life better, trying to be a better person. But I just think he's not a likable presence. I mean, he still feels like a thug every time. I wonder if that's anything to do with the actor Crow being performing. A bit of an yeah. He doesn't really look like he's having as much fun as Ryan Gosling in the film. I don't know whether he kind of 
Well, his job is to be a straight man to yeah. some extent, isn't it? I mean, he has fewer pratfalls and he's the sort of savior when things go a bit wrong and he, he can sort of protect the other characters. I think that's where it, it does work, actually, because in one reason that Wild Wild West was supposed to have been really bad about the receivers, because Kevin Klein... Giant Spider. Yeah, well, Giant <laughs> Spider. But Kevin Klein and Will Smith were trying to do jokes all the time. And they both... And it just kind of... Man. Exactly. Yeah. We've talked about Will Smith a bit and how we just think he could be so much better. But I yeah. think having a straight man in the form of Russell Crowe, I think that's... It worked really well here. And it's kind of led a lot of the comedy, such even even like breaking Russell, even like breaking Ryan Gosling's arm in the first place. And Ryan, <laughs> that's Ryan, horrible. But I love this scream though. That scream is amazing. <laughs> the screams that he do throughout this, yeah. throughout this film are properly brilliant. Yeah. There's all sorts of, you know, like high pitched, what would be traditionally considered as ladylike screams. <laughs> that again, he just like unembarrassed, unashamed, he just screams his head off when things are a bit bad. And, I think you've got to respect. I think you've got to respect him for committing. Mean, he's I mean, he's kind of an intense guy. He commits to pretty much everything he does, but yeah. to commit mm-hmm. to being so goofy and silly. Well, I love is, how Craven. I love how Craven is as well. Like especially that scene where the two char- with the two lead characters first meet, and and it's you know Russell Crowe's job to menace him, and he just is an absolute <laughs> wimp. It's really brilliant. And then scrabbles for the gun. Yeah, and he goes, oh yeah, no, no, no. Okay, I've got the message right, and then runs for the gun, and uh, yeah. But it's good. I mean, they become friends pretty quickly after that, don't they? After breaking his arm. Yeah, yeah. There's that funny scene where they go to the burnt down, burnt out house, and they speak to that kid with the bike. Val oh, Kilmer's yeah, yeah. son. Is that, is that really? kid? Is it? Uh, yeah, Jack Kilmer playing Chet, the uh, projectionist. No, no, not Chet. Movie, uh, not the Chet. Kid. The kid, the kid on the bike. Oh, the kid on the bike. He keeps yeah. asking yeah. if yes. they want to see his penis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want to see my dick? Why do I want to see dick? I've got a really big dick. <laughs> is that? Is that? <laughs> I sort of feel like that's like a. Is that like a Biggie Nights reference? Could be because that's pretty. Isn't that yeah. pretty much what happens in Biggie Nights? Yeah. I mean, again, it's except the, the guy says yes. I, again, it feels a little bit like it's the scene where Shane Black went. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a little kid who was just talking about his dick all the time? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll get that in somewhere. <laughs> I was going to say we've talked about things that we did like. Is there anything that kind of feel didn't work, or anything that? I mean, I think it was exciting and 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 it looked good. I thought the colours were really amazing and and the outfits and things like that. It was pretty violent and it was all played for laughs, pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know whether I think some people watching it would just be like, "Oh, that's 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 not cool." There's a couple of moments of the consequence of violence that I thought were interesting. Twice during gun battles, a gun goes off and someone in the, the, the neighboring in the background yeah. is hit. And I wasn't entirely sure whether that was played for laughs or whether that was. That was, you know, what? him going, ev- everybody ends up somewhere, you know, guys. It's not yeah, just a gun battle yeah, in this yeah. apartment. There's someone next door. There's a crazy guy ma- looking like a tree on some stilts next to mm. you who you've just shot. In oh, that was funny. Yeah, that was, no, that was quite funny. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was that amazing moment when one of the, the film's antagonists has been hit by a car and is lying in the road. And one of the yeah. characters is like trying to look out. So he's like, sorry, it's going to be okay. Like, we'll get, like, we'll get you to the hospital. I thought that was a really beautiful moment because yeah. it's like normally that would be like, okay, and then yeah. the, 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 you know, the hero would kick him in the face or run him over again or something. And that isn't what happened. You got a moment of like tenderness of like, you know, it's going to be all right. We're, we're going well, to sort you out. That, that character is Russell Crowe's daughter in this. Uh, who says, isn't it Russell Crowe's Ro- daughter? Ryan Gosling's daughter. Ryan, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling's daughter. That's and right, I, yeah. I think, I mean, that's one problem to talk to touch on your point, Helen. I think the gender, mm-hmm. the gender politics isn't the best in this film. Yeah. But Ryan Gosling's daughter mm-hmm. in this is fucking awesome. Yes. And I yeah, think she's good. It'd yeah. be a harder film to take and swallow the, the kind of storyline of following a porn and adult adult history, adult mm-hmm. industry, if it wasn't for the fact that she's there and she's 
she's one step ahead of her dad yeah. and yeah. Russell Crowe in, in a few different ways. Do you know much about the girl? Angry Rice. I don't. Mm. I thought she was probably she's, she's like I, I agree with what you say like without her this film both on in terms of like gender politics but also in terms of just a a heart and a, a yeah. center mm. is is really weaker without her i mean I, f- I feel like the women in this film don't have much to do but they are mostly smarter and more powerful than the men i i disagree entirely really so the women that we have in this film are kim kim basinger kim basinger who is the the villain she's mm. the her, the justice department who's manipulating everything mm. more, more powerful than men which she's more powerful but she is the bad guy and she's cons- she's her actions are you know the 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 greater good i'll kill my daughter i'll arrange for all of this death and pain in order to make the big three car manufacturers to ease their path into into production and yeah. that was the thing so i don't think that's necessarily a positive portrayal I as a positive portrayal. Well, but I think that that uh, so so you look at the other characters. Her daughter, played by Margaret Qualley, Amelia, is kind of stupid and or played as kind of stupid and useless throughout this, both in terms of her politics and her agency and ability. Well, you to say look that, but it's, it was her it's her actions that uncover the conspiracy and expose it to a wider audience. She's got a very very smart idea as to how to do that. But, and succeeds ultimately. But then, but then there's so much of what she does, which is painted also as slightly foolish and bumbling. You know, the the protest group, which seems you know to be painted as a comic. You know how stupid they are it's, and how useless I mean, they for, are, it, and the way that she she also dies, just sort of like running out into the road and basically flagging down her own killer. Yeah, I think she's kind of undermined as well. I think that's true. I, I think it's very easy to sort of caricature hippies i mean that, and that's what and that's, that's what it is with the protests yeah. and kind of her whole attitude about it and the kind of stick it to the man kind of thing it is a i mean bit I, a parody of that i think i think that's only easy to take pot shots but at the end of the film you you root for her, her cause and she succeeds i, I mean, I, mean I, succeed. I guess i think the guys succeed really i don't feel that she's i but mean but you know i see what you're saying but i, I, I mean, don't she, she dies she, on the cause of it but yeah. i think it's more and then, you know, the Yaya DaCosta playing Tally, also powerful woman, it seems, but is undone by wearing two high heels. Misty yes, Mountains the, you know, at no, the beginning that's, that's, is sort I mean, of like I, this sort of like image of violence. I, I, I mean, that's not making a comment on her dress sense. That That's just meant to be a... a, a because in that scene, the daughter throws what she thinks is hot coffee. Yeah. Fails. <laughs> and that's, so that's the twist. And then the second twist is, but she slips on the coffee and, and, and you know, that's how they catch her. That's just, that's just a way of reversing the reverse. I don't think that's, that's meant to be a I felt sexist that, comment. I felt, that, well, not, not sexist. I just felt that the women were all sort of presented as, I, not, not appendages, but sort of like side issues. And really it was all about these two guys blundering their way through. I agree with that. But except I, for the daughter. Well, I, I agree with that, but I still think they're all more competent than the men in this film. <laughs> what were your, what do you think, do you have any issues with the film, Helen? I mean, I think that the plot is a little bit, I don't know, I, I didn't really get the whole story. I agree that the, the set pieces are great, but what ties it together is a bit flimsy. And also I kind of thought the villain was a bit naff. I mean, I didn't. What, yeah. Kim Basinger? No, well, no, the kind of henchman guy. Oh, John Boy. Yeah. No, John Boy, yeah. You but, didn't get m- enough time with him yeah. to really be, to really hate him, did yeah, you? He's, like, oh, he, he, third, he's he? just a guy with some guns. And you know. leather gloves. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think it lost a little bit of momentum when, spoiler, um, Amelia dies. I think that mm. it, their, their mission sort of fails in a little bit of a way there. Mm. Because, you know, they're sort of there to sort of kind of protect her when they yeah. do find her and they kind of take that on. And I, I don't know. I think 
it loses a little bit of its urgency at that point. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, she died in, in a bit of a stupid... It's one of those things... It's, one, it's, one it's a bit of, those of a things, disappointing way that yeah. she'd done so well to evade it's, capture and... It's one of those things that typically annoys me in horror films. Where you just kind of think, no, just stay where you are. There's yeah. no need to jump out the window. But I, and, but I like the fact that they did a lot of, like... The, this character did something and they won by by blind luck or they yeah. lost like you know he, he um he finds when 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 finds the body yeah because he falls out of a wind you know, falls off an, off a balcony and 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 it works both or you know the woman slips on coffee you know and, and there's little things where it's like you know these people appear to be very in control but these little stupid slip slip, slip ups can like completely blow the game wide open <laughs> i really luck enjoyed that all, luck is all present like you know he yeah. falls yeah. out a window and lands in the, uh, in the pool in the pool instead of Oh yeah, six feet to the left, his uh, his opponent yeah, yeah splats on the side, and all the bullets that hit you know in exactly the right point, and he falls through glass and he lands on things that will balance. Even the the final chase, he's literally run over by a car, which then pushes him faster so he can catch <laughs> up with the guy he's chasing. It's yeah, I yeah, I mean, and they're all fun and they're all they're all silly things. I think in a way, I agree with you though. Like the the plot is almost it's not that it's incidental; it's just that it's. It's not hung around the plot. The plot is hung around the characters or mm. the performances mm. and set pieces. Yeah. Do you think there's likely to be a sequel? Is there a sequel? I mean, this is the kind of film that I would expect that mm. there would be another one. I'd be well, surprised if there wasn't a sequel announced for a, in the next year or well, so. Well, you know the mm. origins of this film. No, is this? Go on. I was going to try and preempt you. But you go for it. Go no. for it. Preempt me. No, I, I'm going <laughs> to throw the ball back in your court. I'm going to empty myself then. <laughs> this was originally shortly after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which mm. I think, you know, Shane Black, you know, was his ticket to, to big success. He spent last like 10, 15 years trying to get the nice guys put together as a TV show with Joel Silver, who produced this, backing him. And they ended up with all sorts of problems with the tone that Black wanted to put into it. The example that I read about was the scene where Holly stows away in the trunk of a car right. and mm. they, they open up and they find her and Ryan Gosling closes the, the trunk again before <laughs> going to get her out and accepting it. And CBS apparently said you can't you can't you can't close the trunk though. And they were like, yeah, but you know, he gets us out again straight and no, she's a young girl, you can't lock her in the trunk. But also, apparently, this wasn't set in the seventies originally. Like the retooling of this from TV to um, to to big screen involved the setting, and which I think is so much of what yeah. is its success. You know, the yeah. style and the tone. I think that's what's interesting about this with his other films. Like I say, it has a lot in common in terms of you know Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, but they're all set in the in the present day, and yeah. so it's unusual for him to sort of. Cast and it, I think it means he can sort of play around with it a bit more and yeah. and be a bit more silly and you know the humor comes out a bit more strongly. I think if it you, when you talked about the about the TV series there, there's no way this could have been on a traditional American network. No, like CBS. When he said CBS, I thought, mm. well, of course it's not going to work in there. But if you're talking about Netflix, Netflix or yeah. or Showtime mm. or HBO, mm. I, I would have thought they'd be quite happy with what they what he had in mind. Shane Black is. A very prolific and very well-known writer, yeah. director. So, you know, if he knocked on the door of HBO and said, "I've got this idea," I'm sure they would have said, "You know, go and go ahead and do what you want to do." I think it's good though because I do want more. At the end of the film, I do go, oh, "What did you do next?" But I think probably yeah. I'm happier wanting more than getting more. It's quite nice to see them both in the advert together at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they made his drawings really terrible. Yeah. Really yeah, but yeah, I've got an advert, so. <laughs> I, I'd watch the sequel. I'd, yeah. I'd be really up for that. There's um, one thing that surprised me about Shane Black is that he was in Predator, 
he's an actor in Predator. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Was the it? original? Yeah, yeah. Right. Wasn't he? Was he the director of that movie? No, it was. I can't remember. I was going to say John McTiernan. John something. Is it John McTiernan? How was it? Yes, that sounds right. That sounds right. Or that. But he is the in Predator. He's the skinny one. Compared really? to yeah, compared to he would have been quite young then. Wouldn't he? he would have been quite young. Mm. We were and all it, skinnier back then. So. Yeah, <laughs> back in the eighties, <laughs> I think I was about eleven. But he was yeah. He, so he was he acted in that. He was his funny one making all the quick witted jokes about girls and stuff like that, and then gets killed quite quickly. Stood next to Carl Weathers. Stood next to Jesse the Bodaventure. Stood next to Ar- <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like who's going to get killed first? Yes, well, Shane Black. One of those guys, uh, is it? <laughs> And he was brought on that film to be an on-set writer to kind of polish up the script a bit. And I think right. he just kind of really? he was kind of like, yeah, I'll do it as long as I can be in the film or something, <laughs> something similar. Like that. Wow. Do you think I, uh, writers get to do that very often? I don't. I don't know. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think usually they let the writer anywhere near the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. I think it depends on the film, doesn't it, and how deep in the mire it is. <laughs> do some polishing. Can I before we before we move on? Can I ask one question? There's a really there's something that properly stuck in my head. There's a scene halfway through, about an hour into the film, when Russell Crowe's character tells the story about what happened at the diner. Yeah, and mm. Ryan Gosling falls asleep. Again, really good way of introducing <laughs> expository plot that I think fantastic. And then he goes to talk to the daughter Holly, and they talk for a bit. And he's had this scene where he kills the blue face blue faced thug. And the the daughter, Holly, asks him, and I've got this written down, are you a bad person? What did you do to that man tonight? Did you kill him? And Healy lies and says, of course not. And she answers, that's good. I knew you could never do something like that. But the way that you listen to it, and I've, I've watched that like 10 times today. <laughs> I knew, I'm not sure whether she says, I knew you could never do something like that, or I knew, I knew you could never do something like dad. All oh, right. And earlier on, you know, it becomes about whether they are nice guys and whether he's a good guy or not. And earlier on, Ryan Gosling says, can I ask you a question? Tell me the truth. Don't take it easy because I'm a father. Tell me, am I a bad person? And she answers, yes. And I think that there's like underneath that, I mean, whether she says that or dad or not, there's actually something like quite uncomfortable and quite dark at the heart of that film. Because Ryan Gosling's character isn't just a fuck up. He's a fuck up who killed his wife and blew up his house. And I mean, that's when that's what you're talking about, Helen. Was the the sadness that's un- yeah, underlying? Yeah, he didn't everything. do it intentionally, though. No, there was no. nothing intentional about it. And obviously, you know, this is why he's ended up where he is. And you know, he's not exactly happy with his relationship with his daughter, or where he lives, or the work he has to do. He's kind of, I get the impression, he's been forced into this job because it's the only job that he can kind of get, and that he can keep up with his level of alcoholism whilst doing the job as well. Yeah. It just struck me, you know, that it's about them being not good guys, not bad guys, but nice guys. Mm. And they're both doing bad things. I just thought that her as an innocent looking at these two guys and go, are you a bad person? Are you a bad person? I know you are a bad person. And whether the whole thing takes on this much darker, like not just saving the thing and are getting the approval of your daughter, the little pinky promise at the end, but yeah. whether it's actually about like trying to redeem something that can never be redeemed, you know. That is anyway. She's struck me. In the same scene, she does talk sympathetically about her father, and you know, it's it's a, uh, it's also that scene like throughout the movie, Russell Crowe's been the one propelling it, and and you know, I feel like Ryan Gosling's been going like, let's take the money and just you yeah. know put our feet yeah. up for a couple of days, and he's like, no, this you know this we need to protect this girl, and it's kind of a reminder that like, although he has a sort of 
he's developing this moral comfort compass. Russell Crowe is, a, like you say, he's a murderer. Yeah. And yeah, maybe if she knew that, she <laughs> should be a bit, a little, little bit more sympathetic. Have you guys seen death. Manchester by the Sea? No, no, I've heard that's really upsetting. <laughs> I shouldn't do it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to allude to that. But yeah, I mean, there's some similar themes in the background of that, which kind of transpire as well in 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 this, but also in a lot more somber way. But hi, if you do, guys, if you guys uh, do ever watch it, then send me a message because sure. I think some parallels to be drawn there. I think, guys. It's, Sent some popcorn floating in oh, the air. Oh, oh. slightly dark note. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Manchester by the Sea is Manchester by the Sea is not a popcorn film. I take it. Well, I mean, this is another thing. Do you do you choose what kind of films you watch popcorn to? Watch popcorn. <laughs> that's that's completely wrong, isn't it? Do I put on. I put on. <laughs> I put on Blade Runner in the background, and I look at the kernels exploding. <laughs> the some, there is some amazing, like super slow motion photography of, of popcorn yeah. corn kernels exploding. Yeah. It's really amazing, but it's beautiful. Do you think about the kind of <laughs> when you're eating popcorn? When you're going to choose what films you're going to eat popcorn to? Is that? I mean, is there a specific it's... genre that works better with a different kind of snack? Well, I think uh, they're sort of pop. They're sort of you say popcorn movies, don't you? Yeah, you do. Meaning, I mean, is this a popcorn movie? Mm. I mean, you can eat popcorn to it. There's not any moments that are really, really quiet. That if you. Mm. What about the piano? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a minstrel's kind of film. <laughs> well, uh, what are you looking for? The sweet and maybe crunch it quite. Yeah. Mm. So I think if I'm at the cinema, this watching a Marvel film, I will tend to chuckle at the popcorn it. in my face yeah. when there's loud stuff going on. And yeah. then that's the, that's the strategy, isn't it? Yeah, that's the mm. that's the technique if you're going to do it. If you're not going to disrupt people's enjoyment, eat when it's loud. Yeah, my um my daughter, my three year old daughter, has definitely learned that she gets popcorn when we watch films, and I think that's improved her attention span no end because she's willing to sit there. You don't you don't get a bowl of popcorn when you sit down and watch CBeebies, but if you sit down for mm. a full screening of Moana or something like that, then oh, Moana. I was gonna eat food, eat food. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good incentive. So this is Popcorn as brought to us by Popcorn Shed. And you can find everything about Popcorn Shed at popcornshed.com. And this is salted caramel flavor, which we're eating now. Which, guys, mm. thoughts? It's a secret family recipe as well. Yeah. Oh. Does it involve salted doesn't caramel? It say, doesn't it say it on the front? <laughs> it says <laughs> salted caramel popcorn with Belgian milk chocolate. Well, that's the, it's not that secret. That's the recipe. That's it. Oh, well. oh right. Sorry. It's really good. It's yeah, really it's good. Really nice. It's super tasty popcorn. Need a bit more. In the shape of a shed. Uh, the packaging is in the shape <laughs> of a shed. Not the individual. I don't know how they did that with the kernels. That was amazing. That. It's really pointy. <laughs> I think a popcorn film as being like a description of the quality of the film. Like, you know, we just churned this out so that people would buy popcorn because that's where we make the real profit. I kind of thought it's more related to how much you need to pay attention to the film. Okay. Popcorn doesn't take up that much of my attention. No, yeah. I mean, but Maybe this should. This is the second time I saw this, and like you said, Helen, I think the plot wasn't so easy to follow. But the first time I wasn't, first time I watched it, I wasn't really paying attention to the plot that much. I was just enjoying the interplay between the characters. And then it's the second time round when you kind of this maybe semi-contrived story about the catalyst converters and the, and the car show. We just kind of think, yeah, really, not that first. Should we get to the score, guys? Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
Oh, we've taken the popcorn away. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. First up is in our unique scoring system, is the recommendability. We'll start with you, Sam, seeing as it was your choice. Despite Mr. Crow, I have to say that I think <laughs> this is a really I think this is a really watchable film. I think this is a really recommendable film. Yeah. I reckon that like you say, there is violence and sex and all of these things that might be a put off a lot of people, but not many people that I know. So I would say this is a four and a half. Mm. Wow. Nice. It would be five, except for, well, yeah. <laughs> you must know some really violent people. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love how both of our movies have been these like hyper masculine films. <laughs> we are so butch, aren't we? We're, We're really, really butch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this a three because I, I, I really enjoyed it, but I don't think it's for everyone. I think some people will not get on with the, with the violence, especially three-year-olds, even if you do pop, popcorn in front of them. <laughs> She'll watch anything, mate. She'll watch anything. <laughs> I mean, it is a 15, podcast, yeah. so I wouldn't recommend no. putting it in front of three-year-olds. No, we do no. not at all recommend that at all. Please do not let your three-year-olds Yeah, exactly. Watch the same decision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.5. I, I really like the the buddy relationship between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. That's really what drives the film and makes it enjoyable. You know, it's... It is a bit violent. It's kind of fun at the same time as you can have kind of fun. We all like a bit of violence. (laughs) We all like a bit of fun. But yeah, the bits where they're just together are great and the the plot's not great. And I do do like a good plot to hold it all together. And uh, it's coming up to two hours as well. So it is a little little bit flabby. So it could have been a little bit tighter. So 3.5. Very much like Mr. Crow. Crow, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go 3.9. Yeah, I liked it. 3.9. Oh, wait. I didn't know we were dealing with decimals. Oh, we can deal with decimals. Okay. Do, this is a spreadsheet right here. Oh, yeah. It with with yeah. formulas set in, set in place. You That's can go tell again. however many decimal places you want to. Okay. You're going to reevaluate your future scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, good. Um, yeah, yeah. Why don't... I have, I, have a re- I have a real weird feeling about, you know, scoring out of five, but we'll go to four decimal places. <laughs> on it. Why don't we just score out of 100 or 50? Or, you know, why are we deluding ourselves? I want it to be out of 17 and a half stars. And... <laughs> Next time you know, we'll, we'll make the scale just for you, Sam. <laughs> Teeth on fresh. Repeat viewing. How many? Is it? Is everyone else seen this more than once here? I've mm. seen it. This is the second time viewing. Yeah, I've me. seen it twice. This is the second time. Yeah. I rewatched it in order to appreciate the plot. I often think that films like this, it's interesting to go back to the beginning of the film and knowing the end of the you know twisty turny. What is it about? Yeah, you understand what you know, how things are being set up. What underpins it, basically. From my point of view, I would say I enjoyed going back to it. I thought that going back to it and looking at the opening moments, I understood really clearly what was going on. It's actually a very straightforwardly told film, just it withholds a lot of information. Mm. So I'd say three and a half. There's pleasure going back to it one time. I can't imagine I'll go back and watch it three, four, five. Really? No. I want to watch it again now. We talked about it for a few minutes. Yeah, listen to Tom Waits songs, Martin. Oh, yeah, well, we can, we can, we can, we can multitask. All right, okay. And eat popcorn. I'm going to give it a 4.9 recurring. Oh. 
I can't do the little circle above the nine, so I'm just going to put 4.999. And what yeah, is it fine, yeah. dropped on to not get five? Oh, well, I guess Russell Crowe, but he's only... Um, <laughs> 4.9 recurring is five, actually. When you round it up. Well, I mean, depends on who you talk to. Like, 4.9 recurring is five as well. But anyway, sorry. As the limit of the number of decimal places tends to infinity. Yes. Sure, but, yeah. We're not... This isn't Zeno's power. All right, fair enough. Come on, science boy. <laughs> I'm going to give it two and a half. I, this is the... Wow. <laughs> what just happened there? Well, this is the first time watching it, and I, I don't need feel the need to see it again. Wow. I probably wouldn't... That's oh, that's but still better than than we had for Drunken Master. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. I enjoyed watching it, and I'd recommend it to someone who hasn't seen it. But I'm not going to sit down and, and watch it again. I don't think that there wasn't anything that I missed or anything we've talked about, and I've gone. Oh, I don't really remember that bit, or I'd really like to see that again. But I'd watch a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Would you watch a supercut of all of the moments where they're just talking nonsense to each other and not? Yeah, actually involved I'd in like plot? to see. A, I'd like to see a supercut of all the physical. Ryan Gosling gags. Yeah, yeah, Please. Four yeah. and a half minutes of him screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like the, 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 I mean, we've sort of mentioned it, but the, the falling off the balcony is yeah, trying really to impress good. a girl, yeah, yeah. fall off the balcony, <laughs> don't hurt yourself and find a dead body. If and you Reaper haven't seen it. Well, yeah. At the bottom of the hill, just his little... <laughs> he plays a very good drunk, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give it a four, I think. I think I... I was very, I was very happy when you chose it for the film. Thanks, pal. For, this, mm. for the podcast, Sam, uh, and it was good watching it this time with my wife. The first time I watched it was when it first came on Netflix. So I watched it quite, quite recently as well. So twice in like the space of six weeks. And I think I'll definitely watch it again. It is on the longer side, so I might be paying less attention to it the second, you know, the other times. <laughs> <laughs> Length is important. Guys. Length is important. It's, it's true. It's true. Okay. So a small screen score. So um, how well do you think this film suited to watching at home and or on ever diminishing screen sizes? How many ones? How many screens did you test for this one, Sam? Just the two. Just the two. At the same time? No. I uh, I watched this on a 13-inch laptop monitor and then on an iPhone 6S. So, uh, That's still a fairly hefty size, isn't I can't, it? I can't. Yeah, exactly. It's very respectable. <laughs> uh, I'd say this is four. I think that all of the success of this the greatest success of this is in the interplay and the charm. I would yeah. say, in mm. a way, you could watch this with no screen and listen to it as a little radio play because the best bits are when you're listening to them talk nonsense to each other. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's a zero screen size, then a four, four. I'm going to give it four, four. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to go with four as well. I, 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 I agree with that. There's a set of films that I watch when I'm doing my tax each year. <laughs> Because they're films that they're films that I don't have to watch. Yeah. So I can watch Twelve Angry Men because you don't need to watch that. Yeah. I can watch cool. Alien with Ridley Scott doing the director's commentary because that is entirely pleasant just to listen to. There's a whole genre. Can't do all the presidents men because that is too there's it's all talking, but it's all contextual talking. It's a whole genre that I'm not films gonna talk to about ever again. <laughs> Very useful advice for freelancers out there. Thanks. I'm gonna give it four as well. Yeah. It yeah. would work fairly well on a laptop size or if you can work your TV to plug it in to get the nice TV experience. Yeah, I've given it a four as well. I think some places where small screen scores failed is where you need the sound 
you need good quality sound and i don't think you don't, you don't really need that as long as you can hear the dialogue clearly oh yeah okay then that's fine and there's nothing on the screen that really says i need to see this on the on the big picture on the on in the cinema mm. so i think i think four all rounds is reasonable engagement score i think that actually i had scored this as four but having talked about it i think that actually this drew me in more so i'm going to go 4.75 yeah i think that this I mean, not only to get further down the decimal scale, but um, yeah, I think that this is a really effective film in capturing your attention and, and holding on to it all the way through because it sort of moves through different phases. It goes from buddy comedy to mini action film to slapstick humour. Um, I think it I think it really works hard. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I did sort of manage to pause it. There's a kind of good break point after an hour if you do need to go make a cup of tea. So I guess I'll give it a, a 4.98. <laughs> Very precise scoring. Yeah. There's a 0.02 for the time I need to uh, <laughs> refresh my tea bags. I'm going to go 4.5. I mean, it, I was fairly engaging all the way through. I got a little bit sort of hurry up, kind of finish, and a bit, a little bit sort of in the middle, probably after about an hour and an hour and 10 minutes. Around it's a perfect time to take a break. Yeah. That's what I should have done. Maybe gone out, stretch my legs, that kind of thing. <laughs> Do some star jumps. Jump yeah. back into it. And go back in. So yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go for a four. Yeah, I liked it. I don't think you need to be particularly engaged that much. But you watching it for the second time this time around. Yeah, I was doing. But still, I don't think apart from trying to, if you want really want to follow the plot, but I think you can really enjoy it without and get the most, you know, a lot out of it without really trying to follow the plot, which doesn't really matter. I don't think anyway. And that gives us an overall score of four point zero. So after well, all your after all your recurring nine point nine. <laughs> Maybe 9. I did it on purpose. I feel <laughs> like I feel like this spreadsheet is doing some work for us. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding up. Look at that. Do you want to just check those numbers for us? <laughs> what's the um, what's the highest score you have so far? The highest score so far is four point seven for what we do in the shadows. Which oh, that's yes. good. That is. Oh, I, that was uh, Matthew and Helen, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. your wife yeah. and. Matthew Crosby. Uh, an ex-housemate. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, my wife is my current housemate. <laughs> Matthew is my ex-housemate. Yeah. Unless... And also your ex-housemate, Sam, as well. Yes. Yeah. I lived with Matthew Crosby for a whole year. So I think and it's no going to be a while before that, that yeah, will be broken with 4.7. Really high that was. Yeah. It's really good. What, uh, what Short do... film, you see. 85. All right. So what do your um, Flexwatcher fans what make the, of this? What are the Twitter what do the Twitter people say? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Moviesaurus Rex says, filled with wit, charm, and stand-up performances all around, this clever comedy caper proves that originality is alive in Hollywood. It's not very original. No, I disagree with It's that. not original at all. It's very funny. I agree with everything apart from that word. But it's coming from Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think. So maybe they haven't seen that many films. The <laughs> also, <laughs> the weight of their argument is difficult to, to resist. <laughs> but how do they can change the channel? They've got tiny hands. Well, it's fine. Go Change the it. channel. But it's how fine. do they even pick up the room? Okay, that's the one thing they can do. <laughs> Brooker Can't says four point five out of five stars. The most Shane Black. So the most Shane Blackiest thing to ever Shane Black. Not sure if that's that doesn't quite make sense. Basically, a greatest hits montage of all Black's best bits. Yep. But man, are they great? Yeah. I don't think so. it can be the Shane Blackiest thing because it's only evident that it's set at Christmas in the very final scene. Ah, so I again I can't. Is that Set of Christmas? Is that one of his, his things? Cause, Apparently, because Die Hard has that, and that's not him, is it? Yeah, it's not Die all. Hard. <laughs> not all Shane Black films, are <laughs> birds, but all birds are Shane Black. I don't know how that works, but um, 
And their friend of the pod, Shitegeist, pod says another oh, great, yeah. another great buddy comedy from Shane Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Black, Crow and Gosling of Birds of a Feather. So generally, four yeah, four was it four stars? Yeah, four stars. So well, it tallies exactly with what we we found out on the mm. nose, Shitegeist. Yeah. On the nose. So yeah, I think that works. Yeah, everyone's in agreement there. Good nice film. guys is hilarious. Love that yeah. flick. Four out of five. Would love to see a sequel. I know that you... you From know. More Good Than Podcast. Thank you, More MGT Podcast. Wiram, would you place this in a quick straw poll above or below Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I've only seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang once, so I'd need to watch it again before I... But I remember Snap watching decision. it thinking... Knee jerk. Not willing? I'd say above... I'd say I put this above Kiss Kiss Bang Bang just because I remember it better. Helen? <laughs> Shock horror, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it either. Oh, well, that was Where? the worst poll I've ever <laughs> yeah. conducted in my life. I liked it. Well, it's on the it. list. It's on the list. I liked it as much as I enjoyed The Last Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I still prefer Singing in the Rain. And where would you put it? I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is stronger. Okay. I think it's tighter. I think that I don't hate one of the leads nearly well, as much. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So it's Robert Downey Jr., in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it was, yeah. and actually he's in this as well. He plays the uh, he plays the dead body of um, Sid Schechter. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> you leave it to the end. Unbearable. To pull out the, pull out the it's stats. Really, it's really nice that he's given him uh, he's given Robert Downey Jr. work in this uh, little world, isn't it? Like Whitney Houston, <laughs> she's he's got talent. He'll go far. He's got to go far. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a great place to finish, guys. On <laughs> 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 that bombshell, let us know. For all the podcast listeners, where we can find you? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Song by Song Pod, or all of the shows and all of our details. All of everything is on www.songbysongpodcast.com. Yeah, nice one. Super. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for having us. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks for letting uh, us have back after last time's <laughs> Duncan Master debacle. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed that show. We talked about the nice guys with Sam and Martin for the excellent Song by Song podcast. Please go and visit them on iTunes because they're fantastic and we love them very much. Thank you very much to our editors as always. Toby is the main guy who, who helms and carves our voices. And also hello to Tony, Jay and Greg and everyone else at GL Productions who we haven't met yet. Of course, please big up mighty people for the tunes you can hear now. And at the start of the podcast, Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at Flixwatcherpod and visit our website, flixwatcher.tv.